All right, good evening, everyone. Good to be here tonight speaking about the subject of welcome, something that's really close to my heart. It's something I'm passionate about, so I'm delighted to be speaking tonight. And uh, we've already been reminded, haven't we, of the basis uh, on which God welcomes us as we've remembered the death of Jesus. Well, let's now pray that as we think about how we welcome others and what it means to be a place of welcome, that God would cement that and grow that in us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you welcomed us with open arms when we turn back to you. Father, thank you that you long to do something wonderful through your church. Father, thank you that you have a part for every one of us to play. And whether we're new to this congregation, or we're all all new to this congregation, but whether we're new to this church, um, or we've been here for many years, Lord, we pray that you would sow in us a greater desire, a greater passion, a greater love for you and for all those we meet here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're continuing our series on building our community here at St. Saviour's. The first one was last week. Mike spoke on worship, and tonight we look at the subject of welcome. But I want to begin with two stories or two examples of good and bad welcome in a church. Now, the first of these uh, took, in fact, both of them were in America. The first of these was when I was 14 years old. And it was my first visit to America. I don't know if you can remember your first visit to America. If you've been there, it's a very exciting thing. And uh, one of the places that we went to was Nashville, Tennessee. We had some family friends who used to live in England. They moved back there. We turned up midweek, and uh, I was not a Christian at this point, although I'd been going along to church in my childhood. Um, I definitely was not a committed follower of Jesus. But this family were very, very keen Christians indeed. And they said to us on the second night we were there, hey, we have church on Wednesdays. Would you like to come along? And I thought, that's a bit odd, but uh, okay, we'll give it a try. So we went along to uh, this church, which was a a fantastic church, Um, lots and lots of people there. And I went along to the young people's groups. I was 14 at the time. And um, the thing that struck me when I went there is the people were so, so lovely to me. They were so welcoming. And uh, every one of them, not just the leaders, But all the other young people, they wanted to talk to me all the time. They wanted to find out all about me. And at first, I thought this was just sort of American politeness. You know, like they they say, have a nice day when you buy something in a shop. Then I thought maybe it's my accent, because people kept stopping me, saying, gee, we love your accent. (laughs) Where are you from? And I'd say, London. Is that London, England? And uh, Yes. uh, But that was always nice. Um, So I found myself very popular wherever I went in America because of my accent. By the way, it doesn't work in Australia or Scotland. or Ireland, or Wales, or France, but there we go. In in America, it does. And I thought, is it that? But what became apparent as I spent more time with them, that it went well beyond that. They actually cared about me. They really wanted to know about me. They wanted to tell me about Jesus in a really non-cringy way. And I left that place thinking, wow, if Christians are like that, I want to be part of that. And uh, do you know what happened a few weeks later? I got home, and there was a letter waiting for me from the youth leaders there saying how much they enjoyed meeting me and how they're praying for me. And if there's anything I want them to pray for, please let them know. And I didn't reply, maybe because, you know, when you're 14, you don't really write letters, you don't quite know what to do. But anyway, 
A few months later, another letter came, and they said, we're still praying for you. Just let us know if there's anything we can pray for. And I was just overwhelmed by this. I wasn't a Christian yet, but a few months later, I got invited to a youth rally, and um, I think my heart had been prepared. And when the call came to follow Jesus, I said, I want to be like those people I met there. I want to follow him too. So that's my testimony in a nutshell, and that's a great example of welcome. Now, fast forward to another place in the south of America. This is just a few years ago. Kate and I are having a holiday, and uh, we went to a church uh, that looked um, very similar to that one we'd been to in Nashville. Um, It was similarly magnificent, the building and modern, and uh, there were just as many people there. The music was very similar. We got there 20 minutes early before the service, Um, but that's where the similarities ended. We go into the area where drinks are being served, and uh, we discover it's self-service, and they have sort of flasks on tables with no one to serve you. Um, 20 minutes, we lingered in there. No one came to speak to us, even though there were loads of people there. Then suddenly, an Atanoi announcement came um, over saying, please go through to the auditorium. We go into this wonderful auditorium. There's no one to greet us. We find a seat next to some people who were already there. They didn't turn to say anything to us. The service went on like that. And then the most uh, weird or shocking thing of all, uh, the service finished um, very sort of suddenly with a, a final song. And then the very moment it had finished, the band stopped and everyone got up and walked out straight away. It was like the end of a football match or the end of a film at the cinema, and we were, we were sort of startled and lingered a few minutes just to see if anyone would engage us in conversation, but they didn't, and we made our way home. And on the way home, we turned to each other and said, I think that's the worst church I've ever been to. Yet it had so many things going for it that the welcome was non-existent. So, the question I want to begin with tonight is what sort of church do we want to become? I think I'm pretty clear that the answer, if we've got those two choices, is like the first one and not like the second. But here's the second question I want to ask, which is the more challenging one. Who do you spend your time talking to at church on a Sunday? Or to put it another way, do you see the social times before and after church as primarily a time to catch up with your friends? Or do you actually see it as a ministry opportunity, a place where you can deliberately seek to welcome and befriend and encourage the people who are visitors, the people who are new, the people who are exploring faith, the people who are on the fringe, who are not really settled and integrated into the core life of the church? Which of it is it for you? That's what we're thinking about tonight. Now, you might remember last week, Mike talked about the right attitude or the best attitude towards worship being this. Not about what you receive from it, but what you give. And I want to suggest it's, it's true as well for the social times around church, both on Sundays and midweek, that the best attitude is not what can I get out of it in terms of catching up with people. It's actually what can I contribute, what can I give to those who might have come Uh, with great need, those who are on the outside, those on the fringes, those who are exploring faith, those who are new. And basically, if we put those people first, well, the Bible teaches us that actually we're not just serving them, we are serving and welcoming Jesus. Now, where do I get that from? It sounds nice or it sounds challenging. Where do I get that from? Well, Jesus actually said that himself. Um, Here's an example, Matthew 10, verse 40. 
Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. When we welcome God's people and those who want to explore being God's people, we welcome Jesus. And it applies to children as well. Jesus said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And it applies to strangers as well. Even people whose lives may be very different from our own. Jesus said that in a very famous parable of the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, and it finishes with these words. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they asked in the parable, when did we do this, Lord? And it finishes with these words. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did that for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And what do you notice about those examples in that parable? Well, I think one of the most striking things about it is the sheer breadth of the needs that are reflected there, touching on the physical, the social, the emotional, and implicitly the spiritual as well. So we've got the physical needs. There was the the hunger, the thirst, the illness, the lack of clothes. We've got the social and emotional needs with a stranger in a new place, and I guess we all know what that feels like. It's really difficult. Some of us are in that place right now. And we've got also the, the isolation and the despair of someone in prison. What's the implication? Reading between the lines, I think it's this. Jesus wants all of his disciples to seek to meet every type of need in ministering to each other, and not just with people they already know, you know, our core group of friends, but actually to strangers and actually to people who may not be considered respectable at all, like prisoners or, in Jesus' case, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the lepers, the poor, and so on. Jesus is saying this. If you want to fully welcome me in your life, well, you need to welcome them too. That's all part of the deal. You welcome them like I welcome them and like I welcome you. So, Christians and churches that do this, and I think you'll agree with this, they are the ones that actually show Jesus to the world. Because Jesus said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is radical, sacrificial love and welcome. But it's only if we do that that I think we're truly authentic because then we're living the life God called us to and we're treating people as Jesus treated them. So, with all that in mind, let's look then briefly at that parable that we heard read, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I think there is a real danger in looking at that parable that we actually think it's just speaking into physical needs. And we think that it's just speaking into what we might call extreme needs. And yet, actually, when we look at the context of all that Jesus taught, where we look at the principle underlying it, then actually I think we see something quite different that we should apply it into every sort of need that we come across, physical, social, emotional, and spiritual, and to every need, whether it's extreme or whether 
it's what we might call moderate. Because it's about a whole mentality of love and welcome and care. It's not about doing certain things for certain people. It's actually about living and breathing the welcome for others that Jesus offers to us. And it's so important, I think, that we broaden the application because otherwise that parable is of no relevance really to us. I mean, it is not often that you are going to come across someone half dead in the road in Guildford in this year. It's just not going to happen. Law and order, um, social security and, and whatever, the NHS, mean that that is simply a situation that's not going to arise. But let me tell you what will arise pretty well every day of your life. That you are going to be coming into contact with people who, even if invisible to you, have real needs. Social, maybe physical, emotional, spiritual It might be your next-door neighbours. It might be your colleagues or classmates. It might be the people at the school gate. It's the people on your front line. And if you're in a life group, you know we're looking at that again this term. They are the people that we can show love and hospitality and welcome to, as well as the people in church. But let's come back to church then. How do we take these principles into how we live and operate in a church context? Well, I want to just suggest this, that we need to remember that in any one service or church event that we come to, there are going to be people who have real needs with them. It might be that they're suffering with loneliness or bereavement or, or depression or low spirits. It might be economic insecurity. It might be illness. It, it might be actually uh, to do with anxiety for loved ones. It might be due to a life stage Maybe those who've just moved to a new place or just to a new church where they don't know anyone. It might be because they're newly wed or new parents or they're newly at university. It might be because they're at a particular stage in the Christian journey that makes them vulnerable as well. Maybe they're just exploring faith. Maybe they've just become a Christian. Maybe they're struggling with faith. Or maybe it's that they're at an age when they are most spiritually vulnerable. All of the statistics, actually, if you look at them, say that between the age of 11 and about 21, 22, that is when Christian children and young people and young adults are most likely to stop going to church. That is a time of great vulnerability. And one of the wonderful things about this new congregation is we have got lots and lots of people of that age. But we need to pray for them And we need to recognize that they are so vulnerable and we need to ask God to hold them. And we need to do everything we can to make sure that they are resourced in what they're doing so that they are encouraged to put their faith in Christ and live for him. So, what do we have in our mind when we come to church? I want to suggest that we should have this, that all around us, people have needs. And if we are not open to that, if we're not wanting to talk to people we don't know, if we're not looking out for the people on their own, if we're not going up to the people that we've never met before. And it's rather like in that parable, if there was a man who theoretically wanted to meet the needs of anyone he came across, but was walking down the road with his eyes closed. There might be someone on the road, but he can't see them. Guys, we need to just come to church. Yes, when God wants to do business with us, hungry to allow him to do that, but also come recognizing that every one of us potentially 
could make all the difference in the world to someone who desperately wants to break into this church but hasn't settled, someone who's coming to church for the first time, someone who's bringing real needs with them. We could make all the difference in showing them the love of God, just like those guys in America did for me. Let's remember, all of us have ups and downs. All of us need God's love. And we all have a part to play in building true community here. Well, let me finish just uh, for a, a couple of minutes with some things we could do to make sure that we actually do make that happen. Here are some practical suggestions. Here's one. You could join a welcome team. This congregation, I don't know if you knew this, but we had three full congregations last week. This one was the biggest, and yet it's by far and away the smallest welcome teams. It's a problem, isn't it? We've got lots of new people here, which is wonderful. We want more people to join our welcome teams. That, if you like, is an opportunity to give you a platform to be able to be focused maybe once a month on really welcoming others. That's one thing you could do, or you could join um, our children's, our youth teams, either at this service or in the 1030, just to make sure that people who are the most vulnerable in age actually have the love and care that they need, so that the 84 Hub and Explorers who came last week actually have a number of adults appropriate to that size of group. Just consider that. Could you play a part in making sure this congregation, if this is the one for you, is as welcoming as it can be. So that's one thing that we could do. What else could we do? We could pray before we come to church. God, please help me to welcome someone, to befriend someone, to support and encourage someone who really needs that this week. Please lead me to that person as I come to church and as I talk before and after church. You could come early. Mike suggested that last week. It was like a, a sort of bomb being dropped and people thought, oh, Yes, I never thought of that. Could come early. We're laying on the refreshments for you just to entice you. But let, here's, here's a reminder. The people most likely to come early are the people who are new. If you want to meet new people, come early. Come and talk to them before the regulars turn up and before the service begins. And then there's after the service. Why don't you pray, God, who do you want me to talk to? I used to do this every single time that I went to church for 10 years when I was in London. I always prayed, God, Please lead me to the people that you want me to talk to. And loads of stuff happened. I just kept finding that, that conversations flowed, that were real, God was really in. And if we go with that attitude of believing that the congregation, and not just the staff, can actually be ministers to each other, amazing stuff happens. Just imagine if all of us did that. What would it be like? I'm sure we're going to continue to attract new people. If we do that, every one of them is going to become integrated and feel loved and welcomed here, and that would be a great thing. So, it's time to finish, and um, I just want to finish with a reminder that actually it's not just about what we do the first time. That power of the Good Samaritan, I don't know if you noticed, but he didn't just give emergency first aid, did he, and then go home. What he did was actually finish the job. We know that he stayed with him, he put him on his donkey, we know that he gave him bandages and oil and and wine. We know that he paid for him to stay in an inn, and then he paid the innkeeper to continue to look after him when he no longer could. And what was the end goal? That he would see that man restored, healed, and rested. What's our end goal? I want to suggest it's this. Not that we are a one-hit wonder, 
that we're friendly to someone and then forget their names when we ever see them again. It's actually that when we meet someone, maybe write down their name when you get home, pray for them, and then look out for them again. And then maybe invite them to go for coffee afterwards or pizza. And when you see them again, have another chat. Really try and get to know them. Maybe exchange phone numbers. Maybe invite them around for dinner. Do that. Introduce them to some other people, like that guy in the parable did to the innkeeper, so that they get to know more people. Within a few weeks, their experience of church is transformed. We could all do that. I know some of us are shyer than others, but actually we can do this. And what's the worst that can happen? Don't go up to say someone and someone and say, hey, are you new here? Just say, hi, I'm Tom. What's your name? I don't think we've met before. Allow the conversation to flow. And I promise you that great things will happen. We can all do this. And um, I think that's what God wants us to do. Well, we're going to finish now. We're just with a chance to respond um, in ministry. I want to invite the band just to come up. And um, while they're doing that, Let's just take an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to do what the Holy Spirit longs to do, which is to take the word and sow it into our hearts and reveal to us what fruit he wants that word to bear. Okay? So we're going to just take a moment. Why don't we stand? And uh, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to apply, apply what we've been thinking about and to speak to us as we seek to finish this service by finishing the business with God that he's doing with us tonight. So why don't we just take a moment just to um, open ourselves up to God. You might want to just hold out your hands as a sign of doing that. That's not essential, but whatever helps you. Just to take a moment to close your eyes perhaps and just allow God to speak into what this means for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live in us. We thank you that you long to fill us and to speak to us and to shape us, to guide us and to prompt us and to use us. And so we welcome you now. Come, Holy Spirit. Please fill us afresh right now. Holy Spirit, would you now in a a minute or two of just opening ourselves up to you, would you just speak to us about what this means for us, an individual member of this church? Would you speak now about what you're saying to us and how you want us to respond? So let's listen to God now.
moment we're going to sing a song that continues to draw us to open ourselves up to God and allow his spirit to apply and, and speak into our lives. But I just want to give you the opportunity at this time, and this can carry on as the service finishes, just to come forward and be prayed for. And I want to suggest two or three reasons why that might be the right thing for us tonight. Maybe you're someone who knows that what we've been thinking about tonight is right, that it is essential if true community is to be built, but that you haven't actually lived that out fully in your life. Maybe you're feeling the call to step out from being someone who sticks with your own little group, who actually is going to offer themselves to be used by God with whoever he throws on your path. Be open to the unexpected. To minister to the, the new, the needy, the vulnerable. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you here at the front. And if a prayer ministry team can come and make themselves available, that would be great. We'd love to pray into that sense of conviction and calling that God is laying on you tonight. And here's a second reason why you might want to respond. There will be many here who are new, new to this service, new to this church, maybe new to going to church for a while, maybe for the first time you're going to church. And we would love to pray for you, that you would know, not just welcome from this congregation, but you would know God's welcome, that you would know his blessing that you would know his spirit, that you would know his word dwelling in you, revealing God to you. So if you're in that situation, we would love to pray that God would move you from feeling on the edge, exploring, to knowing him, knowing this church, feeling part of this family, and having that stability, that that sense of knowing your place. Maybe you've just got an, another thing you, that you want someone to pray with you, just to uh, support you and intercede with you for that thing. We'd love you to come forward as well. So this is an opportunity. We're going to sing a song quietly. Please do come forward if this is you. And we'd love to pray with you up until you need to go. So do come. Do worship. Let's see what God does.